Do you have a favorite scent? Maybe a fragrance that when you smell it, it just envelopes you in, in comfort and calmness. Maybe it's the smell of coffee. Can I get an amen? The smell of fresh baked cookies. Uh, the smell of, of uh, rain. The smell of fresh cut grass. Smell of sizzling bacon. Maybe even clean laundry. These the smells, they, they hold this sense of power over our emotions. They usher in these images that just fill our minds. They tether us to, to memories of moments in our past. The, the power of smell, it is a wild thing. But, but here's the truth. As good as something smells, as good as it makes us feel, that, that relief, it can be quickly interrupted when we smell something that we don't like. The inside of a porta potty. <laughs> Rotten eggs, stagnant water, a decomposing animal, bad breath, wet dog. I'm sure we all have our, our lists of things that we just hate to smell. These bad smells, they hold a sense of power over our emotions. Smells that immediately want us, make us want to escape. Uh, smells that we immediately just want to forget. Again, the power of smell, it is a wild thing. These fragrances, they, they have the ability to leave this long lasting impression on us. Sometimes a good impression, sometimes a bad impression. And one of my favorite places to go is Lake Geneva. I've loved going there since I was a kid. And now as an adult, um, one of the things that I've grown to love to do there is to hike along the, the shore path there, around, not around the lake, that would be crazy, but uh, miles and miles sometimes times I'll just go there on a day off and just walk along that shore. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll get there just to connect with God. I've, I've come up with ideas from sermons and stuff there, or I love going there with my family as well. Uh, there's, there's usually a spot though there on that path where I love to stop and it's the perfect view of the water of the lake, but, but there's this lilac bush that just exudes the most beautiful fragrance in that spot. And so I would stand there and I'll just stare at the water as I inhale the, the intoxicating aroma of those, of those lilacs. So if you were to ask me what one of my favorite scents was, uh, that lilac bush, it would immediately come to my mind. I remember one year though, I was out there, it was the first time I was able to get out there in the spring um, to, to hike along the, the shore. And I was hiking along it and eventually I got to that spot and I stopped, I began to stare at the water, but, but I couldn't smell the lilacs. So I looked down in there, uh, springing up from the ground, coming right up through that lilac bush was all of these weeds giving the, the lilacs competition, uh, blocking the, their, their view of the, the sunlight, uh, stealing their water, their, their nutrients. Because of those weeds, those, those lilacs, they were not blooming as they normally would. Their full potential being strangled and subdued by the presence of these intruders, these parasites. Uh, their sweet fragrance absent from the air. So I bent down, I began to try and remove some of the weeds, 
pulling them out in, in hopes to give those lilacs a, a fighting chance in hopes that those, those lilacs could bask in the sun and bloom in hopes that their sweet aroma would once again fill the air, causing passerbys to stop and linger near. But though I tried, there, there was just too many. In order to remove them all, I would have needed some kind of helper or someone else to help me. But, but much like scents, much like fragrances, we as people, we have the ability to leave long-lasting impressions on others. Sometimes good impressions, sometimes bad impressions. Almost as if we exude a certain aroma of our own that will either draw people closer to us or, or will cause people to just want to run the other direction. I'm not talking about bodily odor. Gross. Man, you guys are the first ones to laugh at that. <laughs> Sometimes being a preacher is hard. Um, but I'm talking about attitudes. Our, our attitudes. Have you ever been around someone with a bad attitude? It's almost like a bad smell, right? You don't even want to be near them. You just want to get away. But, but someone with a good attitude can have the opposite Effect, causing people to want to linger near them, causing people to want to bask in that aroma, in that positivity. And the problem that we face in this world is that we are naturally drawn to things that have a high chance of choking our potential. We're naturally drawn to sin, drawn towards doing things that, that we believe are, are going to give us pleasure or give us some sense of control, things that sometimes cause us to hurt others, things that can lead to anger, dishonesty, things that lead to heartache and pain. And this is nothing new. Sin has been dominating lives since the very beginning. Here's what Paul wrote in the book of Romans. I have discovered this principle of life. Now, when I want to do what is right, I, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. The, this power, it makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Have you been there? wanting to do what is right, wanting to have a good attitude, but, but your sin just continuing to limit you, continuing to control you, causing more fear, causing more pain, causing more heartache. The power of sin is a wild thing. It's as if our, our hearts have the soil and rooted in that soil are the most beautiful lilacs. In clear view of the sun, the, the perfect position to receive rain and nutrients. Uh, but then our, our hearts, they're, they're met with this intrusion of parasites. These weeds that are stealing the water and the nutrients, blocking out the sun. Dominating the lilacs that were intended to bloom. That were intended to exude a beautiful fragrance. The, the weeds of sin, they can grow tall in our hearts, causing us to do things that just push other people away. And as we wither away in the darkness of sin, the only fragrance that we experience is the stink of our mistakes, the, the smell of our shame and regret. Have you come today maybe with weeds that have grown tall in your heart? 
weeds that have been keeping you from doing what you know what is right? What aroma have you been exuding as a result of your attitude? An aroma of anger? An aroma of impatience, an aroma of stress, an aroma of fear, an aroma of selfishness. The fragrance of our attitude is the impression we will leave. What impression have you been leaving on others? Have you come today asking that very same question as Paul, who who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Well, Paul, he answers that question immediately in the very next verse. Here's what he says. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord, Jesus. He is the answer. So today, Jesus is exactly who we are going to look at to aid us in weeding out those parasites in our hearts, allowing to aid us in shifting our attitudes from bad to good, allowing us to recognize the nutrients that we need to bloom, giving us an aroma that is like no other. These past few weeks, we've been working our way through this series that, that we've called Fully Engaged. Our, our goal for this series is that we would all become more fully engaged in our relationship with Jesus. And that through our relationship with Jesus, we'd continue to just move forward, continue to grow and grow and grow, allowing us to use the, to gain the the good things from Jesus, to to pass out into our relationships, allowing us to, to live this blessed life that Jesus has declared. And to help us do that, we, we've been looking at a piece of Jesus's sermon on the Mount. This specific piece of that sermon is known as the Beatitudes, these be attitudes, blessings and declarations that Jesus makes that, that can help our attitudes, things that we can adapt to our lives that will not only help us with our relationship with Jesus, but again, it'll help us in our other relationships. It will pour out of us into all of our relationships. And Jesus declares that these attitudes, as we live them out, we will be blessed, we will be happy, but not a normal kind of happy. It's like this enlarged, supersized kind of happy that only comes from God. And these three beatitudes that we're going to focus on today, they are connected directly to our hearts, our inner being that directly affects our attitude and our outward actions. And what I love about these specific beatitudes is that they are attributes of Jesus. Things that we see Jesus living out as we look through the gospel and pieces of his character. And when we begin to live out these beatitudes, we begin to look more like Jesus. Our our attitudes begin, begin to become more like Jesus. We begin to treat others more like Jesus. We begin to smell more like Jesus. But, but what is the essence of that fragrance? What exactly comes together that will exude the aroma of Jesus? The first beatitude we'll look at today is blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Now that word mercy is, is compassionate treatment of those in distress, especially when it, when it is within one's power to either inflict harm or, or punishment. 
Uh, did you ever play that game, Mercy, when you were a kid? You and a, another opponent, you, you would lock hands and then when someone said go, you would both try to apply as much pressure and as much pain to the other person's hand until eventually one of you would just cry out, mercy, mercy. And then the opponent, well, he would be or she would be the winner and they would stop. When I was a kid, I did not win very many games of mercy. Immediately, when I, I, when I began to feel that pain and that pressure, I just like, okay, I'm done. I'm out. Mercy, just stop. And then the, the pressure and the pain, it would cease. And then I would be overwhelmed by a different feeling, a feeling of relief. And that's a good definition for the result of mercy, relief. And Jesus, he's referencing this attitude of, of someone that is actively compassionate and forgiving, as someone that is being concerned about people in their time of need, being merciful, full of mercy. It depicts a heart of compassion, leading to acts of mercy, providing relief for those who are suffering and in misery. And it's not just feeling that compassion. It's about acting on that compassion, doing something about it, providing relief for that person in need. And mercy, it's, it's shown through our attitudes. Mercy, it does not hold a grudge. Mercy, it does not hold resentment. It does not focus on someone else's failures or, or someone else's weaknesses. Mercy, it does not publicize someone else's sin. An attitude of mercy, it offers support, it offers forgiveness, it offers grace, it offers love. And as we shift our attitude to be more like Jesus, we become more merciful. Why? Because of how merciful Jesus is. All throughout Jesus's life here on earth, we see how he was merciful to others. Offering compassion and forgiveness instead of punishment. Offering relief instead of more pain. And that relief, it becomes an essence of our fragrance. An essence of the fragrance of Jesus is relief. And because of Jesus, we are shown mercy from God. God's mercy just begins to fill our hearts. And that mercy that comes into our hearts, it begins to loosen up the soil in our hearts, which continues the progression of the Beatitudes we're so grateful for that mercy, so grateful for that relief that we want to align our hearts with the heart of God. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Uh, the Greek word for pure used in this text is katharos. It means clean, blameless, unstained from guilt. And this word is often used to describe something that is purified by fire or even like a, a vine being cleansed by pruning so that it can bear fruit. But how is this type of purity connected to our hearts? How can this type of purity affect the way we treat others and the impressions that we leave? And the Greek word for, for heart in this text is cardia and it literally means heart, uh, but not just the physical heart, the, the spiritual being as well. And we can think about it this way. Whatever we have spiritually centered inwardly will be what leads us to how we live physically outwardly. Whatever we hold most dear, whatever we are devoted to, that's what will direct our actions. 
for the sake of comparison, think about the, the fictional story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Have you read that story before or, or heard it? And this story focuses on the duality of human nature, the good side, the evil side, the, 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 the sweet and pleasant, fragrant side, and, and the stinky, not so pleasant smelling side. And this respectable doctor, Dr. Jekyll, he wants to separate these two aspects of his human nature. So he creates this mixture so that when he drinks it, he can live out his evil side in the form of Mr. Hyde. But Mr. Hyde, he becomes the more dominant side and begins to take over more and more. And eventually Dr. Jekyll, he is no longer able to control the transformation and Hyde, he, he takes over completely. And this is a dark story that inevitably ends in tragedy. And though it's uh, fictional, it's a clear depiction of, of what happens when we indulge in sin. It begins to dominate. It begins to take over. It begins to take us on a path that is leading away from God, a path that leads to tragedy, a path that leads to destruction. And there's times where it seems like we're living double lives. Maybe you come to church on the weekend, but then once you leave these walls, you're right back to living in the weeds, living in the pretense of deceit and hypocrisy. So Jesus, he's emphasizing that we should live with our hearts exclusively devoted to God, which enables us to love God and love others with sincerity. The result of, of being pure in heart is, is sincerity, the sincere love, a heart completely surrendered to God, a heart that is set apart, dedicated only to God, a, a heart with no hypocrisy, with no hidden motives. And once again, we see how Jesus, he lived out this attribute in his own life. He was completely surrendered to God. Jesus, his heart, it was completely surrendered to God's commands, completely surrendered to God's will. But in order for us to, to um, have this purity in our heart, well, we got to do some work. We, we got to get down on our hands and knees. We got to spend more time in our Bibles. We, we got to do some much needed maintenance on our hearts. We need to start weeding out whatever is choking us, weeding out what is damaging our attitudes. We uproot the source of our anger. We uproot the source of our fear. We uproot the source of our stress. And then we throw it into the light and then we allow it to catch fire and burn. We weed it out through confession and repentance, allowing Jesus to transform our hearts because that's the truth, right? We cannot do it by ourselves. We need Jesus to help. And because the only way we can truly become pure of heart is by giving our heart to Jesus so that he can do the cleansing work. And it leads us to, to being more devoted to God, devoted to God with, with sincerity. And when we are devoted to him, we, we begin to receive the, the gift that he has given us through the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit begins to, I keep thinking of Holy Spirit activate. When the Holy Spirit, <laughs> when the Holy Spirit activates, we begin to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. These attributes of God causing us to be more kind, more loving, more patient, more gentle. And they completely affect our attitude. 
We, we, let's try that again. We become pruned to bear that fruit. The fruit of Jesus, allowing us to share that fruit with sincerity in our relationships with others. And that sincerity, it becomes an essence of our fragrance. An essence of the fragrance of Jesus is sincerity. Our heart surrendered and devoted to God results in us being able to see God working at different points in our life. We will see him in every aspect of our lives, leading us, moving us, directing us to continue being completely devoted to him, trusting his will and his commands. And now because we've shifted our attitudes, our, our hearts to be more merciful, providing relief for others because we've shifted our hearts towards purity, allowing us to live in love with sincerity. We will begin to see the buds of flowers beginning to pop up, spring up out of the soil in our hearts, which leads into the third and final beatitude that we'll talk about today. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now this noun, peacemaker, it's a compound word. And in Greek, it's a compound word made of two words. The first word is irene, and it means one, tranquility, safety, quietness, rest, health. The second word is poieo, and it means to make, to do, to practice, to produce. And when these two words are combined, it gives us a clear direction for our attitudes. We are to make peace. We are to produce peace. We are to practice peace. In all things, in all relationships, we pursue peace. Uh, The result of being a peacemaker is peace. So sometimes we got to get real with ourselves and we got to ask ourselves a hard question. Am I being a peacemaker or am I being a peacetaker? Am I making peace in the lives around me or am I taking peace from the lives around me? Am I producing oneness, tranquility, safety, calmness, rest, and healing in my relationships or am I producing division, agitation, insecurity, conflict, unrest, and hurt in my relationships? Peacemakers, they they build bridges while peacetakers, they they burn them down. Peacemakers are are coming alongside others while peacetakers, they just continue to push and push others away. Jesus, he's calling us to shift our attitudes to become peacemakers so that we can promote reconciliation and restoration through every aspect of our lives. And as we pursue peace, as we facilitate this attitude of peace and we live it out, we become advocates that aid people in reconciling broken relationships, bringing reconciliation to those who are opposed, building bridges, bridges that don't just connect us with other people, that don't just connect other people with other people, but these bridges that connect people to Jesus. And Jesus, he has displayed the most beautiful, the most powerful example of peace. Here's what Paul wrote in the book of Colossians. And through him, Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And the Greek word for peace in this specific text, it's the same word for peace in that that compound word, peacemaker. 
God sent Jesus to make peace with us. And Jesus, he laid down his life to make, to produce peace between us sinners and God. Giving us oneness with God, giving us tranquility with God, giving us rest with God, giving us healing through God, all made available to us through Jesus. And we are called to carry that same message of peace to others, coming alongside others, even if they're different from us, even if they have different beliefs, different opinions, we come alongside and we offer peace. Being peacemakers to aid in reconciling others with God and with one another. And and that peace, it becomes an essence of our fragrance, an essence of the fragrance of Jesus. It is peace. And the result of being peacemakers in our lives, it's the promise of a relationship, not just good and healthy relationships with others, but a relationship with God. Jesus, he declares, blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God because of the peace that we receive because of Jesus. That bridge is connected to God, allowing us to be adopted into his family, becoming children of God no matter what. And as we become fully engaged in our relationship with Jesus, he begins to cultivate the soil in our hearts, showing us our inherent need for him. Our need for his mercy to provide us relief. Our need for his pure heart and sincere love. Our need for his peace to reconcile us with God. And he invites us to work alongside him. He, Jesus, he comes alongside us. And he helps us in uprooting the weeds that have overgrown in our hearts. Allowing his light to shine in the darkness of our lives. Enabling us to reach and grow towards him. Causing us to linger in his presence. And as we abide in Jesus, as we remain in Jesus, we will inhale his presence and then we will exhale his goodness and it will fill the air that surrounds us. And his likeness will begin to shine and transform our attitudes, allowing us to show mercy, to love with sincerity, and to make peace. No longer do we need to to sit in the stink of mistakes. No longer do we need to remain in the smell of our shame and regret. For though the power of sin is wild, the power of God, it is wilder. The power of God, it is stronger. For when the power of God raised Jesus from the dead, the domination and the reign of sin, it ended. Completely eradicated. The the chains, they were broken. The stench of the grave, it was transformed to the sweet aroma of a garden. The doom of death transformed into everlasting life and eternity with Jesus. So thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. No longer do we need to wither away in the darkness of sin, but instead we can bloom in the light of grace. And that enables us to grow in the likeness of Jesus, allowing us to exude the sweetness of his aroma. So if the fragrance of our attitudes is, what the, is, is, our, is the impressions we leave, then that's, let's live blooming in grace and leaving the impression of Jesus.
Whew, I screwed that up. <laughs> but as we live in that likeness, as we exude that sweet aroma, it continues to allow us to point people to the hope to the grace, to the love, to the peace that is available to them. No matter where we are, that aroma just comes off of us. And that's when we begin to really experience the happiness. That's when we really begin to experience the blessedness because we realize it's not about us. It's not about what we receive, but it's about the glory that God gets. And we get to share that glory. We get to share that light, that likeness of Jesus in our homes, at our workplace, at our schools, no matter where we go. That sweet aroma of Jesus, it goes with us. And maybe you've come today and, and weeds have just overgrown your heart. I'll tell you, you don't have to leave with those weeds. You, you can leave them at the feet of Jesus. You can leave them at the cross. Uh, well, I got a message last night from someone after my sermon. She had been struggling with something for eight years. And um, last night she felt the Holy Spirit moving her to, to finally just throw it out just to be done, to move forward, to continue to be fully engaged with Jesus. And if you have that same feeling today, you can do it. If you would like prayer today for um, either weeds that have grown tall in your heart or, or maybe there's some other thing we can pray for you, we will be down here to pray with you. Uh, if you've come today and, and you would like to experience baptism, my friend Rob is going to be baptizing his mom. Isn't that awesome? He's not out here to hear it, but it's also uh, Rob's birthday, which is the, the coolest birthday gift, I think. But if you, would like, if you would like to be baptized today to wash away the stink of your shame and regret and come up out of the water, smelling the sweet aroma of Jesus, the water is ready. Just come forward during this last song. But if you would, allow me to pray for you before I hop off the stage. If you would stand with me now. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We are so grateful for the work that you are doing in our lives. We are so grateful for the light of your grace that allows us to bloom in your love, allows us to have your strength and your powers as we endure this, this life of difficulty. And we pray as we leave this place that we would just continue to exude the fragrance of Jesus no matter where we go drawing people closer to you, God, drawing people closer to your, your hope and your peace and your love. Because though this life is wild, though this life is difficult, you are more powerful, God, and the power of the grace that we receive in Jesus, it goes beyond whatever we will experience in this life. No amount of suffering, nothing, nothing compares to the love that we receive because of Jesus. And we are so grateful that the weeds that grow in our heart, they do not have to separate us from you, God, that there's nothing in this life that will separate us from your love. So we just pray that we continue to draw closer and closer to you and allow your light to shine brighter and brighter through our words, through our actions, leading more people to you. And we thank you again for Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.